Hello, welcome to Weird Wessex. I'm Andy, this is my co-host Craig, and we have Ooh. a guest as well, if you'd like to introduce yourself. Oh, I'm Jimmy, and I run the Welsh Vikings YouTube channel. Badly. <laughs> oh, come on, you've seen our setup. <laughs> I mean, I, that, that's literally, I think that's pretty much all that I do day in, day out, most of the time nowadays, is just badly run a YouTube channel. And it's got a fair topic. following behind it. <laughs> it's got, it's got, I mean, a lot of people through Napoleon, didn't they? And that went well. <laughs> For a while. Actually, according to the Ridley according to the Ridley Scott film, he did fine. So yeah. So you know, smashing up pyramids left, right, and centre. Yeah. Fantastic. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so Jimmy, you're normally based in York, but for some reason you flew to Nova Scotia just to talk to us. Yeah, I'm normally based in York. I'm from North Wales, and I I decided to get a bit of space between me and the pod, just for <laughs> just for safety and sanity's sake, plausible deniability. I was hoping you'd found some weird news and you were going to fly into Nova Scotia and do some on the ground. You'd <laughs> be your Canadian correspondent. This is Jimmy reporting from Nova Scotia for Weird Wessex. <laughs> You are dressed a bit like a reporter, actually. That's um... yeah, I'm dressed. I'm a dress, I'm dressed too professionally, aren't I? Yeah. Live from Scotia. <laughs> See you in the studio. <laughs> so, as well as your your Welsh Viking channel, part of the reason I got you on is because you do um, you tell ghost stories in York, don't you? Yeah, I do. I so I um, I help with a, a ghost tour up in York that i've been doing for a couple of years we started doing live stream tours over lockdown while i was living up in scotland and then we started doing live tours and then i moved down to york and carried on doing live tours and it's quite quite a fun quite a fun way to spend a couple of hours of an evening wandering around a medieval roman and medieval city telling weird and wonderful stories and i've been on a ghost walk with i forget the guy's name I should know his name, but from the Deathly Dark Tours, um, Dorian, Dorian Desser. Yes, that's him. Yes, there's a lot of fun. Yeah, he's he's really really good at what he does. Yeah, he's um, he's got like a big he's got a bookshelf in our office. We've got a new office, and it's just got a, a shelf of York ghost books. There's about twenty books on just ghosts in the city. It's amazing how many things have been written about it. It's just so well covered a subject which makes it really easy to do ghost stories because you just flick open any book and there's probably another one that you haven't used yet so are you a believer in the paranormal i think i classify myself as open-minded but not yet convinced fully like I want I want to have a fully unquestionable paranormal experience that I can point to and go, and that is why I am a full believer. But so far, I've had little sort of, oh, that feels like it might have been weird, but could it just have been something fairly mundane? So like, I'm open-minded. I've had books falling off tables and that sort of thing in my flat. 
actually my flat in York, um, without like going into too much detail of the location, was built over a, a cemetery, and quite a few human remains were, were were excavated from it to make way for the building in the 20th century. It's very demanding of you. It's extremely demanding, but I am a big famous YouTube man, so I get what I want. <laughs> Are you so sure you weren't just using that to uh, explain the other bodies under there, you know, just like, oh, it's the cemetery, it's fine. It's the, it's the cover of my sinister nighttime activities. YouTube. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, like every, a little weird things have happened every now and then, but I'm still I'm still waiting for the thing that makes me go That was effing ghosts, mate. You have a very brief encounter that I had in York. It was along the paranormal thing. So we're walking along the wall, um, and I stopped to take a picture of the minster. And I heard someone coming along the wall. So I stood in with my camera to get out of the way, but nobody passed me. And when I turned around, there was nobody there. Oh. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a good one. That's a very York one. Yeah. Yeah. It was the middle of the day. It wasn't nighttime or anything. And it was just slightly odd. It intrigued me how many, how many, stories and encounters happen in daylight hours like you think the classic ghost story is always at two o'clock in the morning but so many of them happen like lunchtime half past three in the afternoon and somebody's like walking through the garden and somebody walks through them or disappears or like somebody walking at someone there was somebody in the minster and she saw she saw a, 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 a the figure of her brother appeared before her and then vanished into thin air and like well it's in the minster you can only go into the minster during business hours so it was between nine o'clock in the morning and five o'clock in the afternoon oh oh i love it i love it i want it <laughs> do you do you tend to get a lot of people on you because i mean I, I do i do story walks i don't done many ghost tours i do i do one in hartford um over christmas usually called ales and tales it's basically a pub crawl with me chatting stuff about stories but um it's it's fun, but um, quite often on those ones, <laughs> quite often on those ones, I get um, that's when people start sharing their own ghost, ghost stories with me. Um, do you find that as well? Like people will come to you, like after a show, they'll come up and like desperately sort of want to tell you something. Always, like the the, the tour finishes at half past nine, and I'm never away before nine forty five because somebody <laughs> will have just come, like you say, really earnestly, desperately, like. I've had an experience that was really weird. Like, okay. <laughs> and you can't just be like, mate, I've just spent an hour and a half walking around town. It's minus three. I want to go to the pub. <laughs> like, it's always it's always great. Like, it's always worth listening to them because some of them are genuinely intriguing stories. Sometimes it's just like, oh, I live in this old house and sometimes I hear creaky noises at night and you're like, mm-hmm, cool. Sometimes wood expands and contracts and then sometimes, you know, you're like, Genuinely odd experiences. I had a lady who um, she buried her husband a couple of months before. She came on the ghost tour, and like, they they'd done ghost tours together and all that sort of thing. And um, she said that after she'd done a tour, not my tour, she'd done a tour just after she'd lost him. He started talking to her while she was brushing her teeth. Like she was in the bathroom brushing her teeth, and her husband was talking to her from from the bedroom. Wow! And she just started 
she was like, oh yeah, well, whatever his name was, Baron is just chatting to me, and she just started instinctively just like, oh yeah, no, it was really good too. It was great. So I had a wonderful time. It was really entertaining. And then she finished, like, walked out of the bathroom and was like, oh, <laughs> uh oh, and then nothing since apparently. She said, but like, that was that was one that got me. That was a, like, oh. So yeah, that is that is that sort of oh, you know, gives you a bit of a shiver. Yeah. That. I mean, I, I was doing one. There's a really old pub in Hartford, the White Horse, and um, one of those pubs that's like fashionably on the wonk. You know, it's like all the floors are uneven and it's like being on a, on a galley. You know, and um, literally, it was ten minutes before the talk started, and someone there was a group playing D and D next door. And one of them had been a regular in the pub for years, and he came and told me a ghost story Ed, there. And so literally, I just threw it in the tour. I was like, I learned this one quite recently, you know. And then uh, I dragged him in for it and got him to tell his version as well. But uh, yeah, you, you hear some great ones on those. Yeah, yeah. There's always, there's always, a, there's always a class, a class story or two. Yeah, to be had, especially you've got a big group. You know, it's like 30, 40, 50 people or however big the group is. Then over Halloween, it was insane. Like we were we were taking dozens and dozens of people every night around town. Every night, one or two of them would come up and be like, I've got a story for you. And you, you get some crackers. Like You get some people who are crackers, but you also get some cracking stories. <laughs> That's a good way. Hey. Good way of putting it. Hey. <laughs> hey. Oh, he said, deeply respectful of the beliefs of others. <laughs> um, so, obviously, this is a Christmas episode. Um, Craig, is that your new Christmas hat? Yeah. Is that the one you got for like this it. it is. So, look, nice. I haven't, got, I haven't got a Christmas hat, but I am wearing my uh, I Have Sauron Christmas jumper. Incredible. Incredible. <laughs> It was this or the Warhammer one, so I went with this. <laughs> and as far as as far as anybody listening to the audio version is concerned, I am in a full Santa suit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you flew to somewhere where there's more. Is there snow there at the moment? There was there was snow yesterday. It snowed yesterday, and it was really festive and frosty. And there were there are Christmas lights on houses, so I was walking walking through the frozen north in the snow with Christmas lights everywhere. But it's currently it's currently about eight degrees Celsius and sunny and clear. I mean, it's, it's really warmer than here. It snowed in Bournemouth yesterday. <clears throat> it, not fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, the closest thing I've got to a Christmas hat, I think. That's um, good enough. <laughs> it works. It's it's, uh, it's more or less a Santa hat, just with extra horsehair. Yeah. Um, Sufficiently festive for anybody, I think. I think so. I think so. So, shall we get into some paranormal Christmassy stories? I suppose that is what we are here for. Um. Yeah, what you what, lost? Have you lost? I am your lost. I'm lost. I put my notes down somewhere. I've actually got a newspaper article for this one. So, um, old school. Yeah, oh, me too. Yeah, me too. Oh, fantastic! Um, reportage. <laughs> I mean, you are dressed like a reporter, a Santa suit wearing reporter. 
I am dressed under my Santa suit and <laughs> wearing my my shirt and waistcoat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as the guest, I think we should let Jimmy go first. I think so. Amazing. All right. So my Christmassy my Christmassy story is a family story. Um. So it was passed down to me from my mum, and it was passed down to her from her dad. And our family are all from Anglesey. So, like, for the uninitiated, Anglesey is a an, a large island off the north coast of Wales, about two hundred and fifty square miles, um, and we're from the sort of cattle farming bit of it. And my maternal grandfather was a steam engine fireman, so he shoveled coal on steam trains in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. When they stopped using steam trains in Britain in 1968, he had to get another job that fitted his transferable skills, which is shoveling loads of coal. So he worked the gas board at the, like, the gas works in Bangor, to around France. And um, he became, like, rose up the ranks, became like the duty manager and all that kind of thing. And he volunteered to work Christmas Eve um, to save up some extra pennies, time and a half or whatever it was in like the 70s. So he was in the boiler room, shoveling coal and sorting things out. And next to the boiler room, there was a, a yard, like a coke storage yard, like big 15 foot wall with like broken glass on top of it, plastic, like industrial Britain, please don't steal our coal pipe. <laughs> place and there was no back gate out of the out of the coal yard like they drove the, the fuel in through through the main works and like deposited that and he was shoveling coal on christmas eve in like the early 70s and um a man came in in a suit and my nan used to describe it as like he was wearing this black pinstripe suit a black overcoat and a black hat but he had like a red tie really sharply dressed dude walks in um, at midnight on Christmas Eve and says, hello, my car's broken down, I need a new tyre, can you see yeah. somewhere that I could get one? He basically says, right, well there's one place that you could go it's about a mile up the road it's closed, but if you knock on the like, you knock on the door and tell them that I sent you he'll, he'll help you out and you can get on your merry way, and the guy was like, oh great I've got a lot of work to do tonight um walks out of the door and my father, my granddad goes back to shoveling the coal and he's working away after a couple of minutes he thinks he's gone into the yard he's, he's not going to be able to get out that way I better go and warn him so he runs out into the yard to warn this dude who has gone he's totally vanished and he goes back into the boiler room and there is a five pound note lying on the floor and a thank you note next to it and this dude is nowhere to be seen and apparently he was so Chilled by what had happened, that he put the five pound note and the thank you note into the boiler, into the into the fire, burned it straight away. Went to church the next morning and told the vicar that he'd seen the devil and demanded to be blessed. Wow! Ah, so my granddad saw the devil on Christmas Eve in a gas work in North Wales. See, telling everyone, telling him he's going to be busy that night, leaving him a gift. I reckon it was Santa. That's what. When when I was first told the story, I was like, "Is it not Santa Claus?" And she was like, "No, it's the devil." I was like, pretty Ooh. sure that's pretty sure that's the man with the the man with the bag. But 
Who is Santa if not the devil? Died. He swore it was the devil, but I'm I'm, mm. I'm pretty sure it was Santa. <laughs> the gas works in Bangor. I mean, you know, nice. there hasn't got anything better to do on uh, Christmas Eve, I guess. I do. I think a ghost has taken my notes. <laughs> the bit always got me was like, like the devil wearing a suit and like dressing really sharply is a is a thing, right? Like it's a yeah. it's a it's a traditional thing. Like a lot of, um, like a lot of Southern American traditions of like seeing the devil. You'll see a really sharp dressed man who looks really slick, but like he he needs a spare tire from the county garage. Up the road just seems like such an undevilish. Like, I'll just pop in the gas works and that's there, and then leave them a fiver as a tip. Like, Santa yeah. doesn't do that. The devil doesn't do that. Like, it's a very strange. Yeah. <laughs> Who does that? Like, he was a he was a super practical dude. Like, he was a very practical man. Like, there was he wasn't a he wasn't a particularly spiritual guy all he was into like motorbikes and guns and that kind of stuff so i'm pretty sure he had some kind of weird experience that can't be easily explained but i i don't i don't know i don't know it's very odd it's very odd i mean this was the 70s you say early 70s yeah i mean a fiver was a fair bit of money then hmm. that's true yeah that's a, it's a big he must have been quite scared then, like chucking away that kind of money into uh, a yeah. chucking it in. The boy. I'm pretty sure my, na my, my nan must have absolutely like given him a right rollicking when he went home. <laughs> like, it is Christmas and you've thrown away a fire, you bad man. Blatantly <laughs> Santa. I don't know. They're destroying the evidence, though. It is. I mean, I get Santa vibes off him. I get Santa vibes often, but it is odd. It is weird. It's such a, it's such a little family one. Like that's the one that gets trotted out every event. I mean, it's it's good. I, I love a yeah a, a, a ghost story that's actually in the family. You know, sort of when it's verifiable at least in terms of people that you know, people you're related to believing it. You know, and having seen it themselves. Mm. Yeah, that's 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 a good one. That's a good one. Thank you. I'm glad. I'm glad it was all right. It was the one that sprang to mind when it, when you were like Christmas Eve weirdness. I was like, tides, tides, devil story. It's got to be <laughs> the devil of Bangor. The devil of Bangor. I think it's an Aldi now. The gasworks or a little. It's one of the. It's one of the two shops where you can buy weird stuff in the in the middle aisle. I think the devil of Bangor is my new band name. Every episode, I get one. You know, <laughs> like it's it's like the Jersey Devil, but considerably less frightening. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. There's no folklore where the devil leaves money, though, right? I mean, often in folklore, he's easily tricked. Maybe in in return for a soul. I don't know. You know, or a tire in this case. Oh yeah, I wonder if that's why. Like mm. he chucked. Obviously, we've only got his word for it that he threw the money away. But like. If he threw the money away, maybe he thought, "Oh, if I take this money, then that seals the deal." Maybe he kept, did he experience a lot of misfortune afterwards, or lots of fortune? 
I think he did okay for himself after. I think he was all right afterwards. I mean, like, he died when I was very, very small. But, like, yeah, I think he did okay. And, like, he, he was just like this. He was, like, a working-class dude from rural North Wales. So it must have given him a hell of a shock to chuck away that amount of money, like you say. It was a decent wadge of cash in the 70s. But freaked him out. Freaked him out for the rest of his days. Thought you met the devil, and then I don't know. But Margaret Thatcher was around then as well, so you know, it's one or the other. Especially living in North Wales, you know. Maybe, maybe it was Thatcher in disguise. <laughs> oh, it was Dennis Thatcher, erstwhile yeah. <laughs> henpecked husband of late Prime Minister and Harrison Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> Mm. Right, have you found your notes or do you want me to go next? I haven't, you do it, you do it or yeah Because I've got two fairly short stories I struggled, I was trying to find something to do with Wessex and I did in the end, just the last minute I found a story Well done Um, Because I found lots of bits but they were like a sentence long like there's supposed to be a monk that turns up at the doors to um, Buckingham Palace at Christmas but then there's not really much else about it than that. Um, so everything I was finding were these little dribs and drabs of ghosts from manor houses and stuff, but nothing like juicy stories. So I was, as I've got two. So the first one was um, set Alcatraz, the prison. Okay, that's, that's far from Wessex, but uh, I like further than mine. But go for it. <laughs> but as I say, I have got a Wessex one too. Um, because they're both fairly short. Um, So this one, the story goes that on Christmas Eve in the 1940s, the warden James Johnston was hosting a party for his staff and their families. As the guests were enjoying their dinner, a ghostly apparition appeared in the doorway. The ghost was a man with mutton chops wearing a gray suit. The temperature in the room plummets and the fire blows out. And there was a good minute or so before the apparition disappears, leaving the guests terrified and the party was immediately disbanded. Ooh. Yeah. Sorry, was his name James Johnson? Yeah. Was it me? <laughs> <laughs> you tell me, was it you? Were you here well, in the nineteen You mean you mean your surname isn't the Welsh Viking? <laughs> Is that genuinely your last that's, name? That's my Christmas ruined. <laughs> yeah, triple triple barreled. <laughs> with hyphens between all the words yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's really spooky I love that I like the I like the fact that they they jacked the party in because they were so freaked out yeah they're just like nah fuck it I'm going I mean it's a fairly haunted place you can do ghost talks uh, ghost walks and stuff there and like there's yeah obviously some really like notorious prisoners stayed there and died there um I think there's even some connection to the Native Americans using the island before it was a prison. There's like, is it was it an escape attempt where like the bodies of the people who escaped never were never found, but like, yes, there's no way they could have swum unless they'd been like commando level swimmers. They reckon they might have swept out or eaten by sharks or something. 
There are the shape of tennis, though, aren't there? Like some really oh. like. Yeah, Sean Sean Connery. I've seen I've seen the film. Yeah, the Rock. Oh. <laughs> now that's breaking in. That's a film. That's a film. It's Sean Connery in Nick Cage, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. But they break in though, don't they? No, no, they're on there and they have to get out. They're being held by the terrorists with a nerve agent. That's been a long time since I've seen it. Probably not since the nineties. That's good a film. good. One. I... Hmm. Oh, I no, I like that. That reminds me. Um, going back to York, there's a a York ghost story set during a party, which is the one you probably heard of actually. Of the Roman soldiers that are only visible from the shins up because of the level of the road being different. We that yeah. apparently that story happened during a party. Like the guy that that saw them was called out to fix a boiler during a party. In a big fancy house in York, the treasurer's house, but like they didn't, they didn't, they didn't stop the party or anything because the, the guy who was hosting basically saw this guy and was like, "Oh yeah, you've seen the ghosts, then have you?" And was like very. <laughs> Alcatraz was just a bunch of bedwetting wimps who couldn't handle the fact that there might be some spooks on the island. Like, yes, <laughs> um, yeah, we talked, we mentioned that actually, you mentioned that one vaguely on one of the previous episodes, I think. But, but I only know. Yeah, I only know about the plumber in the basement. I didn't realise there was a party going on at the time. Yeah, it was. It was a there was a do going on upstairs. According to he, he never changed his story the whole t- the whole like forty years that he survived after it. The story was exactly the same. There was always a big do going on upstairs, and like yeah, nobody was freaked out except him. Didn't did didn't the the soldiers he described? I think they were. Um, didn't he like really? Describe sort of period accurately this sort of auxiliar legion that were in the region yeah. at the time. Like it wasn't your typical, you know, sort of Lorica segmenter sort of wearing Roman that, yeah. uh, you know, most yeah, he was like, oh yeah, they, they were wearing trousers and they they had chainmail shirts on and they had shields and yeah, shields and like um, they they had different helmets to what I was expecting and everyone was like, ah, oh, that's not what Romans look like, and then. It is. <laughs> I think wasn't it backed up later though? So I think originally when he told the story, the yeah. description he gave didn't match what we knew of Roman soldiers. And yeah, then later yeah. on, evidence proved that what he said was true. Yeah, and they actually either. they they excavated it. Um because he saw it in the mid-50s, it was 54 or 57 that he saw it, and then people saw it every now and then afterwards. And then it was finally excavated, I think, in the 80s. They found a Roman road surface under it. No one's seen it since. But yeah, like it, it conforms to yeah. what we now know an auxilia would look like in terms of kit and equipment, which is really cool. Like It's, it's nice that he was vindicated. Yeah. Must have felt quite a bit of relief, actually, when that happened. So just the biggest I told you so. Yeah. Fucking hate, I told you. <laughs> you are. It sounds laughed. The owner of the house you said seemed like, oh yeah, you saw it then. They've probably seen it too. Yeah, apparently loads of people have seen it. Like um some of the kids that grew up in the house had seen it before Harry Martindale. And they and like some of the York ghost like I was saying earlier on, like the York ghost books, loads of them have got accounts from different people of seeing it. Like they've got the original from Harry Martindale and then like other people who've come afterwards and gone, oh yeah, I saw that, and then they've added further descriptions to it. 
it just fits together. It's one of those ones that just fits together, and you're like, guess you saw a ghost then. Oh, so, Craig, you've got another one for us as well. I do have another one. So this one is based in Wessex. So this is from Kent. It depends on when you look at it in the Viking Age. But, so that's, that's a stretch, that is. That's... <laughs> no, no, it does. In the ninth century, it does become part of Wessex. Um, so, yeah, so this is Christmas Eve at the close of the 18th century. A man and his daughter were travelling in a horse-drawn coach from Marden to Hawkehurst in Kent. Out of nowhere, a menacing figure with a dark cloak and a wide-brimmed hat jump in front of the coach, forcing it to stop. The highwayman orders the man and his daughter out onto the road, but just as the girl stepped out, the horses bolt, taking the coach and father with them. The young lady is left alone on the dark road with the highwayman, um, but as she looks into the highwayman's face, her blood runs cold as she recognises him as the infamous highwayman named Gilbert. I have to stop there because Gilbert is a fucking stupid name for a highwayman, right? It's a wicked name for a highwayman. Threw <laughs> me when I read this. <laughs> um, and yeah, so it turned out that he'd he'd previously murdered her brother some years earlier. Um, so a surge of rage and grief wells up inside her, and with that hesitation, she draws a knife from her bag and stabs him in the side, um, and he collapses and dies. Horrified by what she's, she's done, the young lady flees off into the woods. Um, so once they get the horses calmed, the coach returns a little while later um, and the men discover the bloody body of the highwayman. And eventually they find the young woman wandering in the forest, but she's gone completely mad. Um, and according to legend, it's said that every Christmas Eve, the bloody scene is silently replayed to anyone that passes by. I like that. That's a brilliant one. That's good. Yeah. That's so good. I'd love to see it. Well, I keep saying this is one of those ones where I'm like, oh, I'd love to see that. But if I actually saw it, I would shit myself. <laughs> but like, I would love to see one of those scenes that they say, like, every full moon, it can be seen again. I would I would like to. That would do it. That would do it for me. That would be like, yep. oh, fuck, I'm a believer now. <laughs> I mean, it's not much, you know, it's uh, yeah. You kind of uh, you gotta believe you see that, you know, if it's provable. Yeah. I mean, no, no need to be scared. I mean, I've I've watched Supernatural, Shotgun Full of Rock Salt, you know, Iron Bar, done. Yeah, dandy. Right, That's so it. we need to find a shotgun and some salt before the twenty fourth. Fantastic! I can get one of those things. And we're gonna head to Kent. <laughs> what about nice. a slingshot with some salt in? That'll do. <laughs> Can you just just open the open the <laughs> lid on a tub of saxa and just chuck it? At <laughs> no, that's Sludgeton. <laughs> that's it. Salt, good for slugs and ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that that's oh. my two stories. Anyway, that's. Oh, I like that one. I, I really like that yeah. one. That's. Uh... Oh, I might nick that for a story walk sometime. I'd have to be doing it. Yeah. It'd just be a general ghost story one. That's a good one. I do like that. Yeah. I women, women just dropped off being a thing, didn't they? Like, they mm. stopped being a threat. It's a little bit harder with cars, I guess. I suppose so, but like, 
you never hear about like highwaymen in the nineteen, like in nineteen oh four. There's still plenty so, of people using horses. There was a lot of improvements in the police forces then, I think, as well. Uh, that's true. Get it, but like it was a lot, lot less prevalent. Um, yeah, I mean, the height of highwaymen was sort of between. You got a lot of them turning up after the Civil War. A lot of, uh, you know, a lot of the dashing highwayman stories. It was like uh, dispossessed nobles and things like that who sort of fought on the wrong side. There's yeah. um, Catherine Ferriers, the Wicked Lady of Markygate, which is a Hertfordshire one. Um, there is a ghost story attached to that, but not a Christmas one, so that will wait for another day. But um, that's one that I do tell on my walks. Um, but yeah, no, there's there's some that's to do with, like lost treasure and a you know sort of a, a killed lover and also it's got all the ingredients, you know. Oh, class! I've got to come on one of your walks. It's, it sounds great. Yeah, please do. Yeah, yeah. Let us know if, if you're ever in uh, Hartford Way. Um, yeah, man, come up, come up to York and and come on one of the come on to. Are you going to come up for the come up for the Viking festival? And, and I, I think I'm going to. I think I'm going to um, do it. Do it. Right, give us a lift. <laughs> Why don't we do um, some kind of weird Wessex podcast from York? I mean. I'd be up for it. Sort of thing. Fit it in with your um fit it in with your Saxon Forager stuff. Yeah. Nice. We'll, we'll, I'll do a video for the channel. We'll do a big collaboration and we'll have a gay old time. As long as it's a gay old time. <laughs> always a gay old time. Always. <laughs> well why don't we try and tie food in as well and we'll do like a three way podcast video mashup. Gail the channels. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh yeah, that's it. That's it. You're enticing me. You're enticing me. No, definitely. Oh, this is gonna be great. Yeah. I actually haven't done a food video yet on the channel. That's remiss of criminal. Criminal. It is. It is. I mean, you got you got caliber get you know, high caliber guests like this. Why do you keep getting me on there? It's, you know why Craig keeps getting me on there? Because I will eat the horrible stuff. That's why. Tell him what you fed me, Craig. <laughs> well, hey, uh, I I all right, we're going to have a brief sidetrack, Jim, all right? So you know the worst food that you answered? Do you remember what it was? I can't remember what it was now. I feel like it maybe it was a peanut like... sauce. A peanut yeah, sauce peanuts. that made you throw up. I've got well, what was it that you used? I'm trying to think of the expression that you used for... Oh, no, I, I honked. No, it was some... no there was... Sauce. There was a particular turn of phrase you used last time to describe you. Ah, no, it's gone. Anyway, yeah, so just after that, we recorded eating the worst food from past guests. So one of the things I had to recreate was a peanut sauce. It was lovely because I can cook. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we did like Hakal and stuff. And, and since then, we've done surströming and... But last week, we did an updated version of the worst foods that guests to date had given us. And that was interesting. So I've got a nice, horrible thing uh, to add to that. Um, you know the uh, liver stew that you fed us? Yes. Wasn't the worst. Wasn't fantastic. Not a big fan of liver, but wasn't the worst. What makes it uh, worse, though is the bowl you served it in wasn't one of our catering bowls. It was actually the bowl that I keep all the scrapers in for when we're scraping hides, which we've been doing. <laughs> so we had 
<laughs> the, the hide scraping bowl to serve that in. Although, you know, I'm sure it was fine. <laughs> add, to, add to that that I put that in the front of my van in the dark that night and I drove home and because it's black, I didn't see it. So when I drove home, the liver stew went all over the front of the van. Oh, no. <laughs> but I can't eat eggs anymore since last week. I So Becky um, made an omelette for us the other day. And we were both, she was literally stood there cooking it going, and I'm like, you're right. And she was like, just remembering Saturday. <laughs> it was egg egg white, Jim. So we had to just egg white down. And mine literally it didn't even hit the stomach. I went, and it was straight back up. It was foul. Oh. Oh. I think Patrick and I were the only ones that finished everything. Do you know what? My granddad, the one, the one that saw the devil, used to crack raw eggs into pints of Guinness. I've heard of that. Yeah, he used to do it. He'd like, literally just like have a pint, no, crack an egg into it, yeah. and then neck the, neck the eggy bit. Well, Guinness I don't feel sorry for him anymore, to be honest. <laughs> My granddad was tincture. It's a tincture, Guinness. It's a tincture. It's good for you. So maybe not 20. But um, eggs in Guinness. I've heard of porting Guinness, but that's because we're refined down here. Yeah. Eggs in Guinness. Ooh. Just, just the idea of just chucking a raw egg down your neck. like it's, Yeah, it's foul. Let it go down in one slippery shot and you're fine. Oh. Mine didn't make... And then I felt sick after that. And I said, I think, at least for a while, I'm not eating eggs because I can't crack them. And... It's a... Oh, should we get back on track, I guess? Yes. So, Probably. what yes. have you got, Andy? Have you found your notes yet? Probably. It's, it's a bit of paper with some writing on. I'm going to go with it. Someone's notes. <laughs> this is a final reminder for your bill. of No. Um... So, um, this story actually takes or starts way, way back in a time of anarchy, uh, the anarchy, as it happens. Um, Stephen and Matilda, so you had Henry I, um, he lost his son, William, in uh, the White Ship disaster. His ship uh, caught fire and sank off the coast of Normandy, and his only male heir, direct male heir, died. And Henry then named his daughter, Matilda. Um, heir and made all the nobles swear fealty to her which not all of them were happy with so eventually Henry the first dies but um, Henry's nephew uh, so his sister's son uh, Stephen uh, seizes the throne uh, there's a big fight uh, most of the southwest um, supported uh, Matilda but the rest of the country a lot of it supported Stephen now into this mix, we're going to throw the subject of our story, which is a chap called um, Geoffrey uh, de Mandeville. Now, his father had been the warden of the tower, quite a prominent guy. That does sound made up, doesn't it? De Mandeville. The Geoffrey de Mandeville. <laughs> no, it's, it's not like it's not like uh, Wiltshire. This is real. Um, but um, yes, so Steve, uh, so Geoffrey de Mandeville. He was on Stephen's side. Um, he was sort of trying to gain favour with him, real sort of a bit of a slimy character, always trying to increase his holdings. 
Then the tide turned. Um, Stephen was captured in battle against uh, Matilda's forces. And at that point, Geoffrey went over to Matilda's side. And for that, he had his lands confirmed and was given some more lands in Normandy. Then, once her force, uh, Stephen's forces kept fighting. And after suffering a great defeat, Matilda uh, had to release Stephen as part of this deal. And so then Geoffrey goes back to Stephen and starts cozying up to him. Now, Stephen at this point had had enough of this and essentially had him arrested and had a bunch of his lands taken. Um, so Geoffrey at this point was outraged. He, he became an outlaw. He had holdings in Hertfordshire, in Essex and in Norfolk. And from those holdings, he would raid all the way from Ely and the Fens all the way down to London and the surroundings. Eventually, this caught up to him. Oh, there is a quote actually from the Peterborough Chronicle about the raids around Cambridgeshire, which says, Men said openly that Christ and his saints were sleeping. So, um, yeah, there was there was quite a, an ill feeling towards Geoffrey um, in it came to the church. He actually took over um, Ramsey Abbey, kicked out all the clergy there, and used it as stabling for his horses and a garrison for his men. Eventually it caught up to him, he caught an arrow, and he died of an infection. Now, upon his deathbed, he asked to be buried in Walden Priory, which is a priory that he founded. However, when he died, before they could get his body there, it turned out that he'd actually been excommunicated for what he'd been doing. Eventually, after the anarchy, he was brought to the temple church, but he was left there unburied in a lead coffin for... 20 years I believe and eventually the Templars got sick of the smell I don't know and managed to get the excommunication lifted and they were able to bury him in Temple Church his effigy is still there although it's a bit broken because in World War II a bomb came through the roof blasted a load of it damaged a load of tombs he's got the worst of it spilling his bones they put the bones back however um, a the skull was gone might have been obliterated but they think a relic hunter might have swiped the skull now this so far hasn't got anything to do with Christmas but now it does apparently there's a tradition in Barnet where if you go to a place called Pimsbrook which has got a bridge going over it in East Barnet on Christmas Eve now not any Christmas Eve this is once every six years apparently so there is an account that was written down which i have a very tiny i should have blown this up newspaper clippings or newspaper printout um apparently the night warden employed by uh, east barnet council in 1926 uh was a chap named charles gibson so charles gibson um he heard a, a big ruckus basically coming down that road on a bitter night, Mr. Gibson was keeping an eye on some roadworks in Churchill Road near Pim's um, near Pim's Brook, and coming up towards him, he saw a ghostly figure accompanied by a headless hound. This ghostly figure was in shining armor, riding forward with a billowing red cloak behind him. Um, he was quite terrified. He decided to call it a night then, but apparently, at the next night, the um, the council meeting that he attended. He asked that a stipend be paid for, I think it's unpleasant or perilous work. Apparently you could get an extra shilling a night. And he said, if I'm going to see ghosts, I want one of those. So 
apparently this happens for a few days over Christmas because a few days later a bunch of people heard this and they then went to this brook um, and waited and they were quite disappointed at first they heard a rumbling eventually though now some of them put it down to the passing of an underground train however the nearest underground train station was a mile and a half away you're probably not going to hear that rumbling and then a few of them on their way away saw stamping hooves they saw a horse they saw the rider they saw the headless hounds six years later in 1932 a group of people met at the bridge and they were there hoping they literally just went there to see if it would work and they started to hear i quote uncanny sounds and they followed the sound so they actually chased the sound they couldn't see anything they'd heard the story of the rumbling uh six years before and so they followed the sounds and when they got to a place called monk's firth um the site appeared that they'd been hoping for this rider this shining armored knight and this headless hound uh with a billowing red cloak um it says here the group had an encounter with the hound by chance the red knight accompanied by his faithful hound was said to have walked southern hertfordshire and northern middlesex for centuries so apparently this was an older story um and looking into records apparently that is one of the areas that suffered his rage he would be riding out um one of the theories is that um, the abbey nearby uh was the one that he'd built and he said a curse over it um he was quite salty about having lands taken away at that point Feel the curse of Almighty God, of St. Mary, of Blessed James the Apostle, and of all the saints in this present life, and that in life to come, may he receive everlasting torment with a traitor Judas, unless he repents and makes amends. And someone pointed out that uh, this did happen, uh, not during his time, but during the dissolution of the monasteries, and maybe that is why his ghost restless one, uh, wanders restlessly. Um, I worked it out. His spirit is next to you to appear because it was two years ago. Known by those six years, so it was a year ago. Sorry. So 2028 is the next appearance. So I think we will need to pop down to East Barnet for uh, 2028. We've got some leeway as well, right? If it appears over a few days. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, I figured we'd camp out a few beers, you know. Yeah. But yes, um, I'd heard this story before. I was sort of researching some. But I remember I nearly got hired. It didn't happen yet. We were going to do this like um, Christmas kind of medieval banquet thing. And uh, they wanted to do sort of a spooky feel to it. And I was going to be this sort of red cloaked knight walking around the grounds kind of thing. But uh, yeah. And so I did a little bit of reading into it. But yeah, apparently he's been seen quite a few times. I haven't been able to find any more um, modern tellings, although I didn't look for that long. Um but yes, he's been seen quite a bit apparently before then as well. It was a local legend before then. Um, a few people had reported seeing it when uh, uh, the night warden in uh, 28 went and told this story to people. He, rather than getting laughed at, people actually said, oh yeah, that would be that would be Sir Geoffrey. That would be the ghost of the Lord of the Manor. So yes, that that's, um, that is my Christmas ghost story. No idea why he appears at Christmas, but that is the... Uh, that, the newspaper clippings comes from the 50s, actually, um, in a special on London ghosts 
Um, apparently, they did a, a 10 sort of uh, issue special every day leading up to Christmas. They did a Christmas ghost story. So, and that was their first one because they decided that, well, it says here the next one is about um, a shivering chicken, a, sp- a spectral shivering chicken. So, I do see why they led with this one. <laughs> but I, I get like Christmas, fair enough. It's the six years that confuses me. Yeah, why six years? I mean, I looked, that isn't the time he was an outlaw for. It wasn't the time since the beginning of the anarchy, I don't think. So, you know, the, the span, I don't know why every six years. Fascinating. There's other mm. stories like that where they only appear every few years as well. Yeah, it's. I wonder oh. what causes that. It's very odd. I don't know, is it like... There's probably something, there's probably a theory to do with like fluctuations of energy of some kind, but I don't have enough yeah. knowledge of like Fortean activity to, <laughs> to, you know, like it's fascinating. Maybe it was every seven years you could say, okay, so it's falling on the day. It's got to fall on the same day that it happened, you know? But obviously every six years it would be, uh, it'd still be different days, wouldn't it? Well, I suppose that's not Ooh. accounting for leap years either. It also assumes that someone's there every year to make sure they didn't turn up an extra time. This is true. Maybe people only just seen it, you know, bothered going every six years. Someone mm-hmm. said, oh, don't go this time. No, he won't be there for another whoa, four years yet. Yeah. So uh, what do we reckon of that one? Uh, any truth to it? Or is it uh, some drunken night watchman that's... <laughs> I love the idea that I love that he went to a council meeting and asked for danger money. After- right. <laughs> well, apparently it was a surveyor that was like, I don't know about that. Like, we definitely should look it up and look into it, though. And yeah, they did report this sound of rumbling. And some of the people, as they were leaving, reportedly yeah. saw this rider going along with his headless hound. I don't know where the headless hound comes from. Maybe it's going back to that hellhound thing, mm. uh, accompanying riders that we spoke of in the first episode um yeah but yeah yeah thing. i love mm. it i'm willing to i'm willing to go with it as something a genuine experience like that seems considering there's like multiple reports yeah i like it i enjoy it that's another one i would like to see i'd love to see like a it's almost like a wild hunt, isn't it? It's like the wild hunt. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> Myth, legend. I wonder if it's related to that in terms of like its folkloric origins and it's been attributed to a historical event, but it's actually a different kind of, of supernatural thing, occurrence. Well, but because talk- there's a local legend as well, it's kind of been conflated we talked about that with like the wild hunt and like later on those rides with hounds then become headless horsemen or carriages without riders you know they they evolve with the time you know just like the the wild hunt you know it's been everyone from hern to you know odin to uh but in the southwest around plymouth it was uh francis drake led the wild hunt apparently you know i thought it was father christmas or the devil (laughs) <laughs> I thought I'd go topical by the way Got some ghost ship <laughs> Yeah Ooh. A gentleman's choice 
Um, I've just I've just had a, a message through, and I've got to I've got to I've got to go in about fifteen minutes. Apparently, is there any way that I can like do my yes recent week? Jimmy, Jimmy, thing? have you got any weird news? As as it happens, yes. Uh, <laughs> I've got I've got a I've got a fantastic piece of weird news. I'm very proud of it. So my my headline for my weird news is oh, I'm down the bottom of the page, hang on. Is the curious phenomenon of Nigeria's disappearing penises. Whoa. Oh, I know this. Are you sure so, there's recent news? Because I've heard this story before. So it's news. Because in the last month, there have been more reports of missing penises in Nigeria than there have, than there have been in the last five years, apparently. Um, or in Africa, have, yeah. in, in the last five years. Yeah. So this is, um, this is a form of mass hysteria called Koro, K-O-R-O, where <clears throat> victims become suddenly convinced that their genitals have disappeared. And this has become a real problem um, in in Calabar and in other places in Nigeria where somebody will be literally waiting for the bus, walking down the street. Somebody will then touch them, like they'll brush past people getting off the bus or they'll be jostled by somebody as they're going into a shop and they'll suddenly feel this sensation which is, quote, like an electric shock. They lose all feeling from their genital area and they'll suddenly be convinced that their cock and balls have just gone, that it has just vanished. And the only way that they can cure it or the only way that they convince that they can cure it is if the person gives it them back. Like the person has to then like say, I give you back your penis. And people have been beaten up People have been killed in 2001, and apparently in a remote part of Nigeria, six people were burned alive after being accused of stealing penises. Whoa. Like, it's been happening in Singapore, it's been happening in, um, in Chad and in Uganda, but it's been, there's been a real spike of it over the last couple of years, and no one's sure where it comes from. It's mentioned in 1486 in Malleus Maleficarum in the Hammer of Witches in the book like the, the manual about witch hunting and various other stuff. There are yeah. three chapters dedicated to penis stealing as something that witches do and because of the sort of because of the like the spiritualism in certain parts of Nigeria being related to stuff like witchcraft and the ability to to use magical abilities for bad for evil it gets really bad really fast so somebody will start shouting give me back my penis and grab somebody by the shirt and next thing you know there's a crowd around of people <clears throat> who could be an innocent bystander convinced that they've nicked somebody's dick psychically and they'll get beaten they'll get the shit beaten out of them and like the police get involved. Somebody was whipped by a policeman until they confessed in 2006. 
and agreed to give someone their penis back. And as soon as you say, all right, here you go, you can have it back, they snap out of it. But people are convinced that their genitals literally are shrinking to the size of a grain of rice. And if it goes any smaller, or like it, it goes inside you, then you'll die. So people have, uh, people have been going to hospital in Singapore with like G clamps around their penises to stop it going inside them. Convinced that it's been stolen by a witch. So that is my weird news, is wow. that there has been a spike in penis, wow. psychic penis theft in Africa. I've got a new band name, Psychic Penis Theft. Um, but uh, the psychic penis will do. Can I? Um, can I just point out one of the most joyous things of that story for me was watching several people walk behind you and give you the weirdest look. Did you know? Yep. That's why I kept giggling all the way through the story. It wasn't these terrified people that are losing their penis? It was like there's someone behind Jimmy. Look. <laughs> As I'm as I'm sat in the corner of a Starbucks, shouting back my penis to an iPhone. If Jimmy the Welsh Viking gets deported, we know why. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, there's no deals for Jimmy's been cancelled. <laughs> um, you've got to be careful because in certain parts of the world, shouting that causes a crowd to panic. Yeah. So. <laughs> We need you to reach this one, but go to Nigeria to do it. <laughs> yeah, where's your flight going to, Jim? Could you, could you go find Nigeria? If I'm going to straight to Calabar to cause a record. <laughs> Amazing. I'm Jimmy. I'm here to tell stories and steal penises. Um... I'm all out of penises. <laughs> Oh, that's just, right. it really got obviously like the thing about this is when people when people say it, they they're not just like whipping their pants off and everyone is going, but it's there. People are just saying like, oh my god, somebody has magically stolen my cough, and then a crowd is just going, oh my god, somebody has just magically stolen your cough, and no one is like, show me, yeah. show me now, because we can solve this in seconds. Sure <laughs> is a going weird on. thing. <laughs> mm. Mass hysteria is so weird. <laughs> um, oh. I've got one from the daily. Daily. Well, hang, hang on, because I think Jim is in a rush to go, which Ooh. is why we pushed on for him. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah I've got to, apparently I've got to go in like, in like ten minutes. So we'll 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 say bye to Jim, I think, and then we'll just carry on, and you'll have to catch our weird news on the episode, Jim. Sorry, is, is that this, okay? He hey, could we could absolutely sorry, do it. We can actually do it that, absolutely do it one time. This is just your way of getting another viewer, another listener. It's just like, no, Jim, you've got to get Yeah. <laughs> Tune in, Jim. Uh, <laughs> thanks so much for coming on, man. It's fine. I've got an appointment with a, with a, I've got an appointment with a missing penis and a crowd of people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you need to strap your G-clamp on and go to the doctor, right? Two, two very big... Two very big Canadian policemen have just walked past and they fully made eye contact with me as they walked past. And I'm like, we know your game. <laughs> it's him. It's the, it's the dick thief. Uh, Jim, thanks for, com- thanks for coming on the podcast. It's been fun. Thank you for having me. It's been great fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, again. Yeah. Looking forward to your. I would love to. I'd love to come back. 
yeah, I'd love to come back. We definitely have to, we definitely have to do something together up in York, hundred percent. Absolutely, amazing. Yeah. All right. I'll pop your message. Well, please do. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Cool. All right, buddy. Well, yeah. Have a good one. Um, yeah. Don't um, try not to steal too many penises. Don't you tell me how to live my life. <laughs> Still as many penises as I want. All the bad luck. Just, everyone, everyone's actually making eye contact with you now. He's gonna steal your penis. You're next. You're the next. <laughs> if, if anyone's listening to this and not watching it, please go and watch it as well. <laughs> Uh, amazing oh all right guys thank you so much yeah thanks jim appreciate your time merry merry weirdmas merry weirdmas merry weirdmas and then there were two and then there were two oh it's just us um yeah Yeah. that was a chuckle that was uh... (laughs) i told you jim was worth having on jim's a good laugh. oh absolutely absolutely Oh, I wanted to uh, summon the spirit of Derek Acora. Um, <laughs> oh, don't. Emma's been watching Most Haunted lately. Oh, uh, I have opinions, but uh, I won't air them here. Was, Next she time. watched one in, in um, the hotel in Devizes. Like, oh, really? Oh, nice. nice. And they, they brought in um, um, Yuri Geller. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> I, it, and I thought it, it, it was funny because you had Derek Akura was saying all his stuff and then I kind of expected you kind of got um, Yuri Geller kind of nodding in the background. And then he agrees with everything that he says. But I would have respected him more if he went, no, nah, mate, he's talking shit. It <laughs> <laughs> oh, was his spirit guide, Sam. It was like a Native American called Sam or something. Yeah. He was waiting for his call home, though, wasn't he? Yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> He's calling Ziggy. I'm just looking at my notes and thinking, what haven't we? Yeah. Ah, oh, see, so did I? I didn't mention Thomas Hardy, did I? No. Because that was another brief one that I've got in my notes. Do you want me to quickly tell you about the no, Thomas Hardy story? It's short. Let me find my notes. Yeah. So it says he saw a ghost in Stinsford Churchyard on Christmas Eve, and his sister Kate says it must have been their grandfather, upon whose grave T H had just placed a sprig of holly which was the first time he'd ever done so. The ghost said, a green Christmas. And TH replies, I like a green Christmas. Then the ghost went into the church and being full of curiosity, T followed to see who this strange man in 18th century dress must be and found no one. Nice. Yeah. Nice little, that's, um, I read that from the Dorset Echo just to credit where I got that. Right. Uh, Do you want to do your weird news first or shall I? So, as as is always the case, I struggled to pick one. Yeah. So this isn't my news, but I, I feel this this needed a brief mention. It's mainly for their headline, which is Satanic Worship Tree Disturbs Christmas Festival Goers. Nice. Um, and it's to do with a Wisconsin museum that's facing backlash because they've put 66 trees on display 
and different groups have displayed their own one. Um, but this particular tree belongs to the Satanic Temple, who adorned the tree with red lights and beads, pentagrams and various ornaments with one reading Hail Santa. <laughs> I love those guys. <laughs> yeah. So that was, I just thought that it's on brand. It's Christmas. We should mention I that. I don't know if they've got a big presence there. My, um, my, uh, my ex is from Wisconsin and she's part of the satanic temple. I think the, uh, the, yeah. the, the, the fun atheist ones, not the, not the, um, yeah. Yeah. Not the LaVey ones. But uh, oh, I like that. I like that. Yeah, I couldn't couldn't not mention that. I'd say I've, I've struggled because I there seems to be a lot of weird news this week. I mean, never complain about too much weird news. <clears throat> well, it's about to get pretty serious because this is something that involves an ongoing court case. Um, so the headline is: Boy's friends killed him after a Ouija board told them to. Have you seen this one? No. Um, so highlights are a teenage boy was allegedly murdered by a group of his friends after playing with a Ouija board that told them to kill him. Jose Mauricio Ospina, hopefully I said that right, uh, 17, was found dead, naked and wrapped face down in a sheet after playing the game with his three best friends in a house in the town of Patio Bonito, Colombia in April last year. Um, it goes on to tell you how Ouija's work, but I think most people know that here. The death is still being investigated, but one of the participants allegedly said that the board told them to do it. Uh, so his mum, Claudia, says that Jose had been doing his high school homework on his computer the last time she saw him. She added, I went on, uh, I went out to run an errand and he stayed at home and he told me that he was going to a school friends to do some homework. That friend who he went to see, I know him, my son had stayed there several times to sleep. <clears throat> when Claudia returned home around 8, he was not there, and she called him again around 11 p.m. She added, I fell asleep, and at 4.30 a.m. I woke up anxious because he had not come home yet. Claudia called him once more, but the police picked up and said that they had the phone in their possession because they were responding to an emergency. The teen's autopsy report confirmed that he had been strangled to death and had bruises on his head and said the body was moved after he died. Um... Local media reported that one of the young people played playing the game allegedly said that the board told them to murder someone and that it chose Jose. Another of his friends stated that they had taken LSD before playing the game. But toxicology reports reveal that Jose did not have the drug in his system. The friend who has not been named told the authorities, I saw colourful figures, then my classmates hit in the wall, then uh, Mauricio on the floor covered in blood. I knew that all of that was a dream. To me, that kind of sounds a little bit like we decided to kill our mate and we're going to blame ghosts and drugs to try and get diminished responsibility a little bit. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Especially when it's still ongoing, um, whether that would lighten the sentence or like an insanity plea. I think I told you, like, Ouija boards are one of those things my, my dad, like, blanket banned me from doing, even though he's a yeah. sceptical atheist, you know. They are they are one of those things I don't piss about with, even though I'm a lot more of a sceptic, I think. it's. I've done one, and it was in Woodchester Mansion. I don't think we've covered that. 
we, me and Emma went on a um, ghost hunt with a company years ago in Woodchester, which is in Gloucestershire. Mm. Nothing happened. It's the most boring night I've ever had. <laughs> Everyone else that went to the evening was reporting these amazing experiences, and we're like, "Yeah, that that could be explained quite quite easily." To be honest, I went on one of these uh, ghost tours, uh, and I thought it was going to be a ghost walk telling ghost stories, and there were like two, but a lot of it it was in Salisbury around the cathedral sort of quarter, and um, we're all we're all thinking it's going to be ghost walks and ghost tours and stories. No, it was like basically a big promotion for their ghost hunts. And part of it, I won't name the company because I think it's one we both know and potentially might go to one of, but um, part of it was using um, divining like divination rods. Yeah. And people are standing there and going, oh, it's going this way. I'm asking this question. And like myself, a few others, and Becky, who is a lot more of a believer and a bit of a hippie than I am, same as me though, is just standing there like it's doing nothing, <laughs> you know. But maybe that's just my <laughs> negative energy. Who knows? Me um, and Emma in Woodchester, they had like group activities, but then there was some free time. So we just decided we were going to make a beeline for the basement where the Ouija board was. Yeah, and we stood in the basement where activity had happened earlier. We both put our finger on this planchette and we're asking questions, and nothing happened. Like it didn't move at all. I still maintain 99% of the time it's just someone who thinks I'm going to move it a little bit, you know? It's got to be someone in the group just decides to get things going. Yeah. I mean, in, in this case, I suspect that maybe the Ouija board did happen, but if the three yeah. out of four were on LSD, yeah, they might have experienced things Yeah, that didn't happen. Whether they believe happen, and yeah. for whatever reason, they that led them to killing their friend, which is, I was going to say unfortunate, but that feels, I don't know, sounds like I'm underplaying. Yeah, it's horrible. Murder. Yeah, it's. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think I think that's more likely. Is I don't believe that the Ouija board did tell them anything, especially no. if there was LSD involved. I don't think they're using it as an excuse. If they were high at the time, then. Yeah, I mean, I don't know whether they've done drug tests on the kids or not, you know. It only mentions toxicology on the... On the... the, 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 the Jose. So, I, I'm glad you didn't end with that one. That's bleak. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, I gather that people have told you that Weird Wessex isn't weird enough yet, so I'm trying to up the game a little Yeah, bit. this is true, this is true. They, what was it? they said they, they love it, but... They're waiting for the weirdness. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they're thinking of a completely different weirdness. Who knows? Yeah. Um, we got so, you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this one that I have is, it's been quite well covered, but it's an update to an ongoing thing. It's funny enough, it involves courts. It involves South America. Um, it's from the Daily Mail. Yay. Um, <laughs> it's um, mummified aliens found in Peru have 30% DNA of unknown species analysis claims. Um, DNA analysis of Mexico's mummified aliens claim they are non-human. Researchers conducted a DNA analysis on the bodies uncovered in Peru. Um, so it goes on to say, um, the mystery is deepening after analysis claimed the DNA of tiny corpses is not human, but of an unknown species. Um, this has gone to the Nation, uh, Nation's Congress, which has turned into, I quote, a circus for the past two months as controversial UFO enthusiast and journalist Jamie Moussan, Moussan, 
there you go, I'm butchering names now, has held court several times to prove the mummified remains found in Peru are extraterrestrial life. In his recent attempt, uh, Malsan ushered in a team of researchers who performed a DNA analysis on the figures that showed 30% is not from any known species and stated that the figures were authentic, comprising a single skeleton. Mm. Um, the other 70% of the DNA has not yet been revealed. Um, although one expert handled the tiny bodies, suggested humans put them together, and the pair could have been made uh, with now-extinct animals a thousand years ago. Um, going on from that... Um, the Musan went on to say, we have a clear example of non-human species unrelated to any known species on our planet. The public has a right to know about this non-human technology and beings. This reality um, unites humanity rather than dividing us. We're not alone in this vast universe. We should embrace that truth. Um, he went on to reveal that the two corpses have sturdy bones, are toothless, and contain implants made of the soft silvery white metal uh, cadmium and the bluish white metal osmium which are both rare elements. Now, someone else did mention uh, they are about a thousand years old. Um, one of the experts said these are not part of our terrestrial evolution. These aren't beings that were found after UFO wreckage either. Um, they were found in algae mines and were later fossilized. Whether they're aliens or not, we don't know, but they're intelligent and they live with us. They should rewrite history. Uh, we're not alone in this vast universe, we should, yeah, as, as he said earlier. Um, now, someone claimed they've found similar species, over similar specimens over the last few years, um, and they have hybrid DNA, which in, they say implies that some of their DNA is human. Um, while Masan and his team declared the mummified corpses named Clara and Mauricio are real, the experts did not have an origin story and did not imply, like him, that the bodies were extraterrestrial. At the hearing, he focused on proving bodies were not fake by providing insights from medical experts. But someone did mention later on, let me see if I can find it. Um, UFOologist Will Gallison, a close friend of the archaeologist who first analysed the supposed alien, says he believes the corpses are actually dummies that are a thousand years old. He said they may have been made from animal remains a millennia ago, possibly for ritual purposes, because that's what they say, <laughs> um, with the heads bearing a remarkable similarities to small alpaca skulls. So, yes, that is my weird news. Apparently, uh, yeah, they've they've done a DNA analysis on <laughs> these. So, I mean, I'm sure you've you've heard, you, you nodded along when I mentioned the mummified aliens. It's They look like dolls. Yeah, yeah. Um... I think if, if if anything, they're going to be more likely to be, like you've said before, about um, an extinct creature, maybe. Yeah. Um, seems more likely than alien. I think I so. Know. I mean, I, aliens are having a bit of a resurgence, aren't they, with all this um, non-disclosure and stuff. I blame Tom DeLonge. I blame the uh, Blink-182 guy for campaigning to get those files released. I, I have some weird news, right? Is it is it dark? Is it going to make everyone miserable? I found an article from Wessex about Krampus sightings. Oh, 
Now, the reason I didn't pick it for my weird news is it has the date, but it only says the 2nd of December. So I'm assuming maybe last year. It doesn't say what year. So this is from a place called Ramsbury. Do you know Ramsbury? I know of it. Hungerford Way, sort of between Marlborough. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is from a website called the Ramsbury Raven. Great, great name. And so... The the title is Cramsbury, Krampus sighting in Ramsbury. It rhymes like it. So it says, you better not shout, you better not cry. Local children want to be very, very good after local Krampus sighting. <laughs> so I'm going to read the whole article because it's it's good. Do it. Is the Krampus legend true? Reports are coming in that Krampuses have been spotted in the normally peaceful Wiltshire village of Ramsbury. These terrifying demonic beings originate in Alpine Europe and traditionally accompany kindly old Saint Nick on his rounds on the 5th of December. Once a year, Saint Nick, sometimes Bishop of Mirror, reward good children with gifts of sweets and fruit while the Krampuses scoop up bad children into baskets and take them away to their lair. Scientists have speculated that climate change may be driving Krampuses to seek colder, more northerly climes, possibly stowing away on lorries bringing in Christmas trees from Europe. The Daily Mail, meanwhile, is more concerned that Krampuses are European and are probably over here trying to claim benefits. (coughs) The driver of the lorry delivering Christmas trees to the Randbury School Christmas Fair today was at pains to point out that all his trees come from Norfolk and are British grown. Until the beasts have been captured or moved on from the area, local children have been warned to behave, especially angelically, for the next few days, and parents of badly behaved children are advised to keep their little brats under control. Or pray for a cold snap. That's, that's it. That's wonderful. <laughs> that's brilliant. <laughs> I mean, well, what a way to end. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Nice one. Well, yeah. I have no well, idea. I think it's a blog rather than a website. But uh, you know what? I'll, I'll take that. I'm going to take that as gospel. <laughs> I say, it's the third of December. I'm over here. <laughs> I just love the dig at the mail. I'm straight down. Oh yeah. Well, I guess we will be back next year. Uh, yeah. Thanks for thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Um, anything to add? Stay weird. Stay weird. There you go. Look, a catchphrase. I like it. A catchphrase. Yeah, stay we've weird. Got a catchphrase. Have a weird Christmas, but not too weird. Bye bye. And me. <laughs> <laughs>